0: Wait, are you are you serious?
1: Tell me the truth. The truth? It's only a story. It's not real. It's only a story. Are you serious?
0: This may very well be for real. It's
1: not real, Peter. It's a hallucination. For real? I'm
0: gonna lighten up. We
1: sitting there all serious and shit. For real. But what am I talking about? Let's get real here. I Just... want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Are you serious? Are you serious right now? For real? What is real? How do you define real? God, this feels pretty real! That's when you know it's for real. Get it? Good ass, huh? Oh, no. It's for real. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. And I'm Matt. And here we go yet again. Matt, this is episode 52. We've done officially one year of weekly episodes. How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, You know, I feel pretty good. I feel like there's been a lot going on this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've definitely gone a week or two without episodes on occasion, but for the most part, we've been we been on the ball, man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, sometimes, some weeks, that's that's a little difficult to do. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm sure you you understand and agree with me. I mean, you've got a kid now, so it's got to be a thousand times worse for you. You got a baby. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It complicates things for sure. Uh, but you know, what's that old what's that old adage? If you do if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah, it's that's close, the one. This feels like a part-time job sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: for For the most part, I, I I love doing this. Every once in a while, I'm like, "Fuck, I don't want to do that this week."
1: <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of which, so uh, after after we do this, it's crazy to me that we've done 52 of these things now, or this is the 52nd one we've done. Um, but uh, we're gonna take a little summer break. So we'll talk about that more at the end. But we're gonna take a little break this summer, and we'll be back this fall to finish out yeah. in 2022. But uh, for now, how, how's your how's your week been though? How's like how how are things going for you? Uh
0: it's you know, it's it's been interesting. I uh I tumbled out some stairs mm-hmm. uh which I somehow like managed to make look somewhat coordinated. Uh I, I, these stairs broke under me, these rotten stairs outside of a customer's place. Uh, I felt them snap as I was stepping on it. And I just kind of threw myself forward and like down off the stairs and I hit the ground, rolled and came up with my feet. And I was like, man, I bet that looked really cool. And I took like three steps and I was like, oh shit, that really hurts. Uh, I didn't do that, something, something wasn't right there. Uh, yeah. Probably the fact that I'm in my mid thirties and fat now, but uh, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't feel as smooth as it probably looked.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't, I don't see in a neck brace did they not have insurance, or you're not going for a work uh, with comp situation, or what's going on here?
0: Yeah, I just, I just walked it off. It was fine. Uh, then today we had a, our, so my, I'm still staying at my in-laws, but uh, a tree branch actually came down in the yard. So we, I was on that bad boy. I still got all my fingers and toes. That's so a, uh, that's good.
1: That's, that's a plus. That's, that's a
0: win. Yeah, that's. I thought it was, you know, I thought it wasn't bad. My wife wasn't happy I was using a chainsaw, but uh even though I tried to let her know that I'm I have used chainsaws in the past. I'm very competent with them and uh sometimes I think she forgets that I handled like guns and explosives for eight years (laughs) and never had an never had an incident (laughs) because she's always so worried about me.
1: You know know what? My wife's the same way and I I think it's not so much that they is that much they care about our well-being? Is that they don't have to take care of us if we get hurt? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just there's it like a lot of work waiting to happen. Listen, I I totally get
0: it. Uh, when I'm hurt, I am just the worst person in the world to be around. I'll be the first person to admit that. Uh-huh. So I I get it. I get it. I'm not a fun <laughs> fun sicker injured person at all. Uh-huh. So I get it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, uh, it was it was it was a good time. I I actually enjoyed using the chainsaw and getting out and doing a little honest manual labor.
1: All right. Well, let's, uh speaking of honest, honest.
0: Wait, 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 wait. wait. What? I, I didn't even hear about your week, man. We just, we just talked about me. Oh, I, I, there's been accusations lately that I'm, I might be a little
1: uh, self-focused. So let's, let's hear about your week. <laughs> uh It's been, it's been fine. Uh I, uh, I somehow injured my ankle at some point this week and today for some reason it is, uh just uh trying to kill me so yeah i'm right there with you bud <laughs> I feel old as fuck but, today <laughs> yeah
0: isn't it nice when you yeah. injure yourself and you're like i don't even know how i did that did i sleep on it wrong did i like uh, just wear the wrong set of shoes that's yeah. that's old age buddy that's yeah. that's exactly
1: yeah. what that is and you don't even know what's happening until you wake up the next morning and you're like why why does that hurt <laughs> how, yeah. did, how did that happen um, the,
0: those are those are the worst yeah. uh my wife has told me multiple times that i'm not allowed to complain about my about me having hip pain until i'm much older but like some days i wake up i'm like man my fucking hip is killing me i don't know what is wrong with me it hurts so bad but apparently i'm not old enough to complain about hip pain yet yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah i guess well, i'm just saving that keeping on that the back burner for right now
1: well anyway like i was saying let's let's get into a nice story about some hard hard manual labor, some good old-fashioned manual labor here. Um, This (laughs) this week, we are covering the new Netflix docu-series titled D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? Like I said, available on Netflix, just released. It is four episodes. Each episode is about 45 minutes, has a total runtime of two hours and 49 minutes. Currently on IMDb, it is rated a 5.4 out of 10. And uh, the not, synopsis not great. The synopsis great. is uh, quote, "It follows the 50 year quest to find Cooper, the man who hijacked a Northwest Airlines passenger jet in November 1971 and escaped with $200,000. So Matt, before we get into this docu series, I gotta ask you, how familiar are you with the DB Cooper story?
0: Okay. So I've definitely heard about it before and I've read about it before. Um, I'm an avid reader and that is, that is something that I've definitely read about and I I enjoyed the story. Mm -hmm. I was kind of just, it's, it's, I feel like I'm just after watching this documentary, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm one of these people. Cause I was just like, you know, I have to, I have to respect it uh, just a little (laughs) bit. Like he, he escaped. Nobody was hurt. He did everything in such a badass way. I was just like that everything about that was cool. I feel <laughs> like uh I'm not even mad. I if I was the airline, I'd be like, you earn this, you can keep it. It's fine. <laughs> it's what insurance is mean, for. He, yeah, that's what insurance is for. You you did good,
1: buddy. Uh so yeah, I mean, I so I am also, you know, I think as familiar with it as the most of the general population. I've, I've heard of the story before. I knew like the bare bones basics about the story. I've seen like the, the references in pop culture and in movies, like without a paddle, which is actually a very underrated movie, in my opinion. It, it's actually, I think it's pretty good, but that has a DB Cooper centric plot line, uh, you know, trying to find his stash trying to find the money in the mountains, the mountainous region of uh, the Northwest. So yeah, I mean, I'm somewhat familiar. I mean, I'll definitely learned some stuff uh, in this documentary, and I definitely learned some stuff afterwards looking into it further. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm a little familiar. But um, yeah, so let's get into it. So episode one, we're introduced at the very top here uh, to a character named Tom Colbert. Now I wonder if his last name is actually pronounced Colbert, because I know there's Stephen Colbert, which is like the famous Colbert. But that yeah. Colbert, his last name is actually Colbert. He used Colbert as a stage name. Uh, just because it sounded better whatever so i wonder if his last name is actually colbert or if it's colbert and he's uh i think they're they're both i think they're both colbert (laughs) and they realize that's a
0: terrible last name for television and they just changed it all right that's you know what that's that's one that's the one career field where you can just change your name and nobody blinks
1: that's true that's true yeah, or podcasting, hence the Special yeah. K. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Guys, spoiler alert, Special K is not his real name. <laughs> it's not my government name. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tom here, he launched a 10-year investigation into uh, the D.B. Cooper case and trying to determine who he was. Tom Colbert is essentially a, a reality TV producer, what he is, and that's important as the story unfolds. Uh, But early on in this docu-series in episode one, it does kind of break down the events of what D.B. Cooper did or is alleged to do, I guess I'll say. Um, So on November 24th, 1971, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, a man who actually gave the name of Dan Cooper to the ticket agent, um, but has henceforth been identified as D.B. Cooper, boarded a, a flight from portland oregon to seattle washington it's only a 37 minute flight and during this flight he passed a note to the stewardess uh, indicating that he had a bomb in his suitcase and that he was demanding two hundred thousand dollars in 20s and four parachutes i guess at this time in the 70s plane hijackings weren't uncommon which is that is it's wild to me (laughs) I I thought the
0: same thing. I was like, wait a second. Like everybody talks about how all this crazy shit happens with this generation. No, this should ever happen. Uh and I, I hear him say, "Oh yeah, I, you know, plane hijackings to be like like one or two a month." I was like, "What the f-
1: what? One yeah. or two a month? That's a lot." And it does took- a lot of and, and from from what it sounds like is like the the industry didn't enforce like screening standards until after like really in the aftermath after this incident so it's like it, it took you guys losing two hundred thousand dollars to <laughs> you know what i mean to be like ah we should start screening people never mind like the the terrorists that were hijacking planes before this for like political reasons and you're not gonna want somebody make them walk through a metal detector and be, come on guys
0: i feel like uh they said they were fine with it until it actually worked. And they're like, wait a second. This is actually a real bad thing. We should, uh, <laughs> we should, we should stop this. Some, somebody, so we should have done something about this a while ago. And I think we dropped the ball,
1: guys. We would all agree that, that we didn't do our best work here. <laughs> so, yeah. So DB Cooper, they end up landing in Seattle. And they they disboard the – they disboard? I don't, unboard? I don't know how you say it. But they basically got all the passengers. Uh,
0: I was going to say they, they left the plane.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they let all the passengers off and only D.B. Cooper disembarked, disembarked. there you go, they disembarked the plane. Only the crew and D.B. Cooper remained, and they headed back towards Portland uh, with $200,000 cash and four parachutes on the plane. And yeah. somewhere en route uh, during the night and during a what they describe as a pretty severe thunderstorm, D.B. Cooper jumped out of the back of the plane by lowering the aft stairwell and was never seen f- or heard from again. That is so badass. So badass. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> okay. Like, well,
0: and, and here, here's some interesting little facts. Uh, this dude ordered himself a drink. Yep. Uh, and, and he had himself a drink. Uh, this was back in the day where you could smoke cigarettes on planes, which also is insane to me. Uh-huh. Uh, so he like he had had himself. They said he he smoked eight cigarettes, which, you know what? I gotta cu- I I gotta say, uh, if I was <laughs> if I was robbing a plane, I'd probably be smoking like a fiend too. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure he's feeling just a hair, like a small amount of stress during this whole thing. But yeah. he's just smoking cigarettes and having some drinks and just having a good old time. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm robbing you. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's cool though. Give me another drink.
1: I mean, what he asked for $200,000 is said the equivalent in today's money is a million dollars. So he essentially asked for, for what would be today, a million dollars. And he did uh, allegedly have what appeared to be a bomb in a suitcase on his lap. So, so I imagine walking around with a, what I guess could have been, we, nobody knows. We don't know if it was real or not to this day. But if you actually have an actual bomb on your lap, I got to imagine that's also a considerable pucker moment. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't factor that in. To uh, uh, I was just like, wow, it's so cool, it's so badass. But now that I think about it, like this dude's got a bomb on literally on his on his dick. That's 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 gotta be a rough way to spend an airplane ride. That uh, that would be a little. That'd be a
1: you know it'd be a little bit of a pucker moment for me i guess <laughs> uh yeah so um like I said he he jumped out and he was never sent from again they never recovered a body to this day nobody knows definitively if he uh lived or died um and this document docu-series basically gets down into the investigation as to people determining and having the- everybody having their own uh, theories as to who he was and what his ultimate fate was immediately after the um the incident, you know, the FBI obviously had to do a pretty thorough investigation. And at one point, where I guess throughout the entire history of this case being open, they've had over a thousand suspects that they've uh, looked at for this. And they range from, I mean, like former military pilots, there's a transsexual woman, there's career criminals, like, there's like just you're kind of you're running the everyday burglars and and assholes and then you have like sophisticated thieves and I mean it's like they looked at so many different people for this um, did, did you in your in your research or your learning of the story prior to um, watch this documentary did you ever have a, sus- a favorite suspect or somebody who you had heard could have done it and was like your favorite you know I didn't uh, I didn't get
0: too far into looking into it uh, to me it's one of those things that it doesn't really matter because we're never going to know for sure and on top of that i mean that was in the 70s this guy was how old when this happened i mean he's 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 either dead or in a like retirement home right now so to me it's like he won it doesn't matter i don't i i, I hate not knowing the answer so that's <laughs> that's what bothers me about it is i just I'm one of those. I I don't like surprises. I don't like to not know things. So for me, the whole like, yeah, he could be, uh, he could be the the old guy that you know, pat you know, hanging out at church. You know who who fucking knows? Nobody's mm-hmm. ever gonna know, unless he admits it. Which he'd be an idiot to admit it now. If he got away with it for fifty years, and then he's just like, oh yeah, I'm DB Cooper. Why? Why would you do that? It had to be like a deathbed confession, of which there's been several.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. There's been several people have have come forward and said they were DB Cooper, for and it is either just remains like okay, well maybe, or they disprove it on the back end after their pass. Uh, but yeah, so this this docu series gets into some of the very specific uh, prime suspects that different people have had over the years. Uh, Tom Col- Colbert, uh, he kind of presents in during his investigation two suspects one of which he's like dead set is and we'll get into that but there's a first suspect that he, he uncovers and brings up that's when i cover up real quick or cover real quick there's a guy tom this is again this is this is how these things go but this is how it is so tom has a cameraman who had a friend who knew a guy who knew a guy who was at a vegas casino who claimed to have known claimed to know db cooper or knew who he was you know i mean so it's like this convoluted like you know eighth hand knowledge or whatever so he tracks us down and ron carlson is the guy from the casino and ron carlson claims that in 1978 he had a cocaine supplier named dick briggs which is the best name for 1978 cocaine supplier (laughs) It'd be best if it was, it'd be better if it was, if it was Dick bricks because they you know bricks of cocaine would have been better, but that's a little, too yeah. on the, that's a little two on the nose. So Dick Briggs that's, is like, that's a one, a, like there's one, a one B. And that's, I think that's one a, so I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, I,
0: I, I'm a fan. I think that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool name for a, a Coke dealer in the seventies. <laughs>
1: I just, I feel like it was right on the nose. Yeah. You, you yeah, can't yeah. be mad at that. And, uh, Ron claims that at one point in a party in 1980, Dick told him that he was D.B. Cooper. And he said to prove it, there were there was a couple that was at the party. And Dick said that couple is going to find his money that he stole during the hijacking in three days. You know, quote, unquote, find. Okay, kind of like it's going to be a setup thing. But this guy is going to find the money in three days. Ron said he didn't think anything of it. And then later, in fact, three days later, he was watching the news and he saw that couple, that's those same people and their kid on the news because reportedly uh, while they were on vacation near the Columbia River, the kid found some of D.B. Cooper's money. Specifically, he found $5,800 of it uh, buried in the sand. So that is quite the story. I mean, that would be... Uh, That's something, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a pretty good indicator
0: that you know the guy was actually DB Cooper. Uh huh. But but the whole eighth hand knowledge thing is pretty pretty rough.
1: Yeah, and like this Dick Briggs guy, apparently he was like this special forces Vietnam dude. Like he had all these crazy war stories about all these things he's done, and um, so I guess he's, he talked a big game. They all said, well, he might have the actual, you know, the the technical skill and aptitude to do it. So he became Tom's primary suspect. They get into this, you know, cause you know, Ron is the guy who's getting this information. So they get into this thing with Ron with this fucking polygraph. And I just want to point this out. I mentioned before, I think I've mentioned several times on this podcast, polygraphs are absolute bullshit. bullshit. And Tom makes it a, a big like to do about it, that Ron's willing to do a polygraph. It is all junk science. I don't care how many times you're, former FBI polygraph guy has been on Dr. Phil that doesn't legitimize his credentials. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's just like Tom was making it so hard to make this sound like a real legitimate thing. Ron, during this polygraph on camera, I just want to point this out because this just goes to show uh, how foolish these things are. He says on camera during this polygraph interview that he has never lied to an authority figure. Says the cocaine runner in the '70s. Are you out of your fucking mind? You think this guy's never <laughs> lied to an authority figure?
0: <laughs> yeah that that was a bit of a that was a bit of a hard pill to swallow for me. I was like, that ah, doesn't seem seem so likely. I mean, I feel like he's got to be at least a little bit dishonest.
1: Yeah, you know? well, and he and he technically passed that lie detector test with that kind of answer. He's full of shit, and those things are full of shit. But so to me, I meant nothing. But what, what really sealed the deal for me as far as Dick Briggs being a legitimate suspect is um, at some point later, Dick Briggs died mysteriously in a single car accident. And I know conspiracy theorists are probably like, oh, somebody figured it out and they killed him. Maybe. But the problem is, is after he died, they found out that he was a habitual liar and he didn't serve in Vietnam. All his military stuff is all, he's all full of shit. He was like a weekend warrior guy. Like he didn't do shit in the military
0: he was a weekend warrior in the air force and he
1: and, and he joined that specifically to avoid being deployed to vietnam
0: yeah that's <laughs> which listen i mean i i don't blame him one bit yeah, good, not good on like a yeah sound sound like it wasn't very fun for everybody involved yeah. so i don't blame him for that but uh you know it's it's also one of those things where you you, you just having served i've also served with guys who are like they'll go around and you know tell war stories and stuff. And you're just like, you are so full of shit.
1: Uh-huh. Like
0: I, I was over there right next to you. You're full of shit. That never happened. You yeah. know, there's always, there's always those guys that try to, Oh yeah. I, you know, save the president's life. They're just full
1: of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously DB Cooper, he is not. So um, then the documentary, they, they get into this, this, they call it the Cooper curse where anybody who tries to like legitimately study this and try to investigate this, try to find an answer, you know, they always, it always goes wrong, or goes bad or leads to some kind of ruin. You know, the one guy refers to it as a gold fever effect. Cause essentially, you know, if you figure out who he is, there's a reward for his, you know, figure out who he is for one. And then they say it multiple times in docu-series and several different episodes that the only person more famous than DB Cooper is going to be the person who f- figures out who DB Cooper was. You know, in this in this situation, I would
0: I would I would argue that that's not going to be the case. Nobody's going to remember that. (laughs) Well, I mean, you you are going to get the glory and the riches. All right, tell tell me who
1: who uh, who shot John Lux Booth? Uh, Is this one of those weird things where it's the guy's last name was Kennedy or something? No, no, not, not at all. It's
0: just it's it's the same it's the same thing, where you know, like this guy. You know, you know, you got John Wilkes
1: Booth. You got to make people look it up now, right? You know that, right?
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, I have to, I feel like I have to look it up right now, but <clears throat> nobody knows his name. If it's nobody a guy cares. with the last name
1: Kennedy, uh, Boston Corbett or Corbett. Yeah. Boston Corbett is the man who shot John Wilkes Booth. Exactly. He's a soldier. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree and disagree. I think that. Whoever, I don't, again, well, I guess we'll talk about it at the end, but if ever D.B. Cooper is identified, whoever does it, whoever solves the mystery will get some attention. They're not going to be remembered like American hero because, you know, D.B. Cooper didn't kill anybody. He didn't even hurt anybody. He threatened to hurt people with a bomb, but he let them all off the plane except for the crew. So, I mean, that's why they refer to him as a, a gentleman thief because he did it with civility and class
0: Um, which is so awesome. (laughs) Just, just, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, just because I feel like, you know, you hear about crimes nowadays and it's always like, Oh, this guy, you know, pistol whipped a cashier or they slipped a bank teller a note and like scared the shit out of everybody and hurt people or like, and then you got this guy who just showed up in a suit, had some drinks smoked a couple cigarettes, and then he just jumped off a fucking airplane, which I don't care what the condition. I don't care if it's a if it's a sunny sky, there's zero wind, and I've got a parachute specialist attached to me. I'm not jumping off an airplane. <laughs> so that's what makes it even more impressive to me because I would have taken one look out the back of that plane and been like take me to the FBI. It's over. You got me.
1: Yeah, so – yeah, so as they, as they mentioned, you know, this curse thing, Tom is they, – they refer to him as tenacious. Some of his, like, friends in this or other, other investigators refer to him as tenacious. In episode one, I realized it very early on. that This guy's, like, financially pot committed to this investigation. I mean, he has sunk all of his resources into this thing. He's a TV producer. He has to turn this into money because he spent a lot of money doing this. So it's like he's relentless because he has to be financially. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, he, he, he came across as very desperate to me. I'll, I'll say that. Maybe we'll say that more towards the end, but he did come across as desperate to me, even early on. I mean, so much so that during this investigation, he's like providing some footage um, from his own documentary he was filming during his investigation. And I just want to say this now, his whole like having the graphics frame, the screen, like the battery indicator and the, like the, it, it's so corny. I mean, just so cheap. I just find it annoying when people yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, through his uh, persistent investigations, um, he's led to Robert Rackstraw, who is a criminal or a career criminal. And I guess this is in episode two. You know, kind of breezing through this one here. Uh, 2011. Tom created a 40-member team to investigate, and his primary suspect was uh, Rackstraw. A little bit of information about Rackstraw. Rackstraw served as a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. After Vietnam, because he was kicked out of the military, he went into business with his stepfather, who he was reportedly cheating um, out of money or whatever. The stepfather is mysteriously murdered and buried on the property. Robert was eventually charged with the murder, but then acquitted. And he was convicted, though, of check fraud, uh, when he was caught trying to steal a plane to avoid an explosive possessions charge, <laughs> <laughs> which is just, just what a, what a run of words. Um, yeah. This guy's, his story is like, it is a wild story. Like, I see why Tom was like attracted to this guy's story. Cause it is crazy. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, this guy, he clearly, I mean,
0: if anybody's going to do something nutty like that, it's going to be this guy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I could see how this guy could be, could be DB Cooper. I, I, that was a problem though. I, I feel like almost all of the, all of them, I was like, yeah, that's probably DB Cooper.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, this guy, which was checking a lot of boxes. I mean, I was, when I was watching this, especially the second episode, I was like, hey, this, this could be the dude that they're, they are presenting, what at least appears to be a pretty compelling case is how this yeah, this guy could possibly be it. Um, especially yeah. since like during his interviews when he was arrested at the time back in the seventies, he was like elusive. Like he would never outright say no. He was like, you could tell he enjoyed people thought he might be DB Cooper. Like he liked, well, he liked the cat and mouse game of it all.
0: Even now when the guy's in his nineties, he still won't come right out and say, I'm not DB Cooper. He was just kind of like, well, you know, could be, right. I could see how people would think that. Yeah. Like, Dude, just say yes or no. Just be. T- I, I mean, I feel like he, I feel like after a while, it would stop be entertain. It would stop being entertaining and just start annoying the shit out of me when people bother me about it. Like, no, I'm not fucking D.B.
1: Cooper. I don't even like Heights. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but after two years, though, after two years of investigation, Tom and his uh, team, members of his crew, plan on confronting Rack at his business, which I guess he was running a marina. And so they confront him and Tom, first of all, gets busted recording him with his little camera glasses, which I thought was hilarious. And then he offered Rackstraw $20,000 and a book and a documentary deal. If he was willing to tell the truth about whether or not he was D.B. Cooper, this to me came across as like crazy. I'll say unethical. Because it's like yeah, you're basically asking this dude to just like take this money and confess to something. You know what I mean? Oh,
0: I, I absolutely do. I thought I was like, man, I mean, shit, I, I would admit to being D.B. Cooper for $20,000 <laughs> right there. That's that's a crazy amount of money. Uh, and this guy just kind of shrugged it off. I was like, uh, dude, that's $20,000. That's
1: a lot of money. You might want to think about maybe you could be D.B. Cooper. Just uh-huh. say something. Well, and then... This whole this whole scenario where they like confronted him and like even like the next day when they went back and like this confrontation thing through the fence the whole thing is so silly because you have like these former security guys former law enforcement guys are all talking like shootout strategy if this old guy <laughs> turns a gun on them and then the one guy is sitting in the car with a freaking Glock on his like on his leg you know what I mean holding the Glock in his hand like this dude's gonna shoot him from across the parking lot. I just kept thinking, I'm like,
0: that guy is so old. Like, if if it takes three of you with forty rounds of ammunition apiece to take him down, you do you should get a different career field. All right, you're it's it's it was ridiculous to me. I just kept being like, he's so old. All right, like if you can't beat him to the draw, like you're fucking up,
1: bud. That's that's all there is to it. That's. To me, it was just so over the top, and it just goes to show like just how amped up these guys were about all this. But like you said, Rackstraw, Straw just he denied it; he would never admit to it, didn't want to cooperate, and he called his lawyer and whatever. But so in episode three, it gets into how in 2016, Tom and his team sold this story about Rackstraw being DB Cooper to the History Channel. I guess there was some show on History Channel where they investigate old cases or something. I don't know; I'm not familiar with, with the with the the show. But essentially, they, the way they put it is they got bushwhacked by the show, who basically lets them like lay They bought the the, the story. They let them lay out their story. This is why Rackstraw's the guy. And then the show brings a stewardess on that was on the plane who just shoots Rackstraw down from a photo lineup and then that's it. And they like totally just burn that fucking story to the ground. They say, yeah, there's no way this is him. You're wrong. It's
0: you're wrong, which is fucked up because any any kind of like lineup people are gonna mess up.
1: You know? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that uh, lineup forty years or fifty years after an incident happened is gonna be the most accurate <laughs> way of that, of determining. That, you know. that's what I was thinking too. I, I was like, the, it, this guy. It's forty years later.
0: Of course, he he's not gonna look the same. First of all, and second of all. Uh, who's who's got a memory like that? I can't yeah. remember what I ate for breakfast. Like if somebody said, "Hey, I want you to identify so and so from 20 years ago," I'd be like, "I don't know what the fuck he looks like now." 20 years ago? Are you kidding me right now? 20 years ago, I was thin. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There's there's it, it, there gets to a point in all this where there's like a lot of conspiracy theory because that's just these situations are are you know prime for it. Um, one of the little theories here is that they believe the FBI and the History Channel colluded with each other um, because like right after the, the, the episode aired, the FBI officially publicly closed the D.B. Cooper case, basically saying it's too resource intensive. There's no new leads. They've got no new information. So they're not actively investigating it any further. Also, this- who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, everybody who's mattered, yeah, everybody who's married to is dead. Nobody, Nobody cares anymore. um so tom and his team end up suing the fbi uh over this collusion this alleged collusion and they're allowed to get the case file what's crazy is and i don't again i don't know why they I, i guess it makes sense logistically but so they win and the fbi is is ordered to turn over documents however they only have to turn over 500 pages a month and there are hundreds of thousands of pages like they said it's going to take 20 something years for them to get their hands on every document the fbi had (laughs) you know what i mean like what a stall tactic
0: you can you can bet they're they're only sending
1: exactly how much they're required to yeah because they're pissed off about losing the case (laughs) so um after these case files get get um you know leaked essentially um or handed over then that's they kind of started like this big interest and I guess there's, uh, if there's podcasts about it. There's like a whole community, which, like in episode four, they talk about this, this Cooper Con thing where people show up to talk about the case or whatever. You know, there is, I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but there's a, a part of the story where there's a guy from Tom's team, I believe, who believes he decoded some of these DB Cooper letters. Oh, um, that
0: was such bullshit.
1: Yeah. First of all, it is like the one the one guy says it is interpretive decoding is what this guy's doing because it is just like the most random ass <laughs> numbers and like yeah i mean i guess it's it's neat and interesting that some of the things work out that way but come on man like you are doing some fucking pretzel math here to make this work <laughs> it's crazy i i was really
0: when he was doing the deco- explaining how he decoded everything i was like dude that is the worst way to decode anything how 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 did you like how in your mind does that make you sound logical so
1: after tom you know is shopping the story to these newspapers and the indianapolis newspaper is starting to cover it in 2017 tom gets a new lead from a couple who is i I don't know how i don't know how i feel about this couple i want to say they're full of shit (laughs) is <laughs> what, what I want to say. Uh, I, don't, I don't know a nice way of saying it, but so they tell Tom about the story of a guy named Wally who was reportedly part of the extraction team for D.B. Cooper. So he told the story about how basically they dropped $50,000 and the bomb into, the, into a lake and the, the rest of the money and the parachute were buried And this guy, this Cooper guy, no relation, as they point out, but of the couple, the guy just knows by the story where exactly Wally's describing this money in the parachute having been buried. And they, again, they make a big to-do about this with Tom and his little crew to go to the site. And they end up finding this little piece of uh, fabric, nylon, I don't know what it was. But like Tom's insistent that it's part of the parachute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could have he been was, anything. He
0: was he was positive, just no questions asked. This was DB Cooper's parachute, which is uh, obviously, like you're saying, is starting to starting to come off as de- desperate.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then at the end of episode three, it gets into this, and I I never I never heard this angle before. I was very it was very interesting to me. Like, I guess it's as plausible as anything else with the story but so th- there's apparently a comic book character uh, i guess he's pretty popular in canada i think it's a french comic book if i'm not mistaken or a french yeah, Can- it's, it's french canadian it's, comic it, book it's french it's
0: never been written in english
1: okay and this comic book is about a character named dan cooper which is the same name that db cooper gave to uh the ticketing agent I guess we don't really cover that, but I guess side note here. So the reason why they call him D.B. Cooper is because supposedly, apparently according to the documentary, a reporter overheard two law enforcement people talking about the case, and they thought they heard D.B. Cooper, when in reality the guy said his name was Dan Cooper, but because D.B. Cooper sounded cool, the media just ran with D.B. Cooper, (laughs) which I agree. D.B. Cooper is a lot cooler than Dan Cooper. I think it's it's great. I
0: mean, (laughs) that's – that's the name I'm going to go with when I suddenly, you know, become a super criminal.
1: <laughs> and uh, anyway, so back to the, back to the the comic book uh, connection. So the character's name is Dan Cooper, and he is a like a badass Canadian fighter pilot, essentially, um, like a James Bond who flies badass planes. And so there's like this question as to whether or not is is that where it came from? Is the is DB Cooper Canadian? Which I I have never. I never even thought that was a possibility, but I guess it's, like I said, as plausible as anything else.
0: Right. I mean, I, I I didn't see how it, like you said, it was, it's not any crazier than the rest of this story.
1: Yeah. So so, I
0: I thought all Canadians, I thought all Canadians were kind. So I guess I just can't imagine a Canadian being like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm, uh, I'm going to be taking this whole plane hostage. Uh, could you give me a drink, please? And I hope you don't mind my cigarette smoke. Uh, Thank, uh and also uh i guess for maybe uh four parachutes that'd be that'd be fantastic thank
1: you <laughs> yeah i mean hey they they call That's them the true. they call them the gentleman thief so i guess it, it would kind of you know maybe it does it maybe doesn't match up <laughs> so, and and uh, no
0: one okay. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's just a fake accent. I'm, I,
1: I'm doing today. Eh? <laughs> uh, uh yes. Yeah, so in episode four, it goes into this, like I guess before this Cooper con thing they have in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I think it's in Oregon where all the, the DB Cooper investigative nerds get together and they try to figure out who did it. And it is just such an apparent, like to me, like there are people there who see that this is just a cash crab and they're just taking money from these people selling merch yeah. and shit. And then there are the people who are like absolute nerds who think like the documentary says that this story lends itself in today's day and age to be like, well, I can Google the answer. Like I'll Google my way to his identity, which is not going to happen, you know, but that's what people think. So um, you have all these nerds get together. I shouldn't call them nerds. and uh, that's, they're, they're very nice people, I'm sure. I'm sure they bathe regularly and have known the touch of a woman. Yeah. So they, again, episode four, they get into like this Canadian pilot. I- Possibility angle. And uh, there's like some metal that was found on the, the tie um, that was left the clip on tie that was left behind when DB Cooper jumped off the plane. The cigarette butts, by the way, like he, like Matt had mentioned, he did smoke like eight cigarettes, but at some point in time, the cigarette butts were destroyed or lost in Las Vegas by the FBI, which again lends itself to the conspiracy theorists. But yeah, so this, the metal in the tie suggests a possible aerospace background. I would also say that because the tie was found on an airplane that might suggest why there are airplane metal fragments on the, on the plane. Again, not a scientist, but you know, who knows? So Tom's primary suspect who Tom always believed D.B. Cooper was Rackstraw. He died. He did end up dying. He, so he is dead. So I guess we'll never know. But one thing I, I saw, that I just had to point out because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Is at one point they're showing some of the screen, like some scans or whatever of the FBI files on Rackstraw. And one of the one of the memos on him, uh, from the FBI was advising agents to use caution because he was trained in karate and explosives. <laughs> that was an actual FBI memo that an agent wrote <laughs> to other agents saying, watch out for this rackstraw, dude. He will cry, chop the shit out of you, and then blow up your body. <laughs> I just thought that was so fucking hilarious dude. Like these guys are so careful. <laughs> karate dude. <laughs> I mean listen I read that I'm convinced. He's DB Cooper. I mean um, I don't see why not with those skills. He could be anybody. <laughs> James Bond over here. Karate.
0: Uh
1: yeah, so um in all in episode 4 here they kind of wrap it up. Again there's no answer, they don't present you with the answer to this question. Um, of who is db cooper? Tom estimates he spent about two hundred thousand dollars investigating this this db cooper case, and um which is insane, it's insanity. Is... Why?
0: Why <laughs> who gives a shit? It's 40 years ago. Like I said, the guy's probably dead. Who fucking cares? <laughs> he got away with it. Let him retire if he's still alive. I I hope he's doing ungodly things with
1: his money just (laughs) terrible terrible things hookers and blow i hope he's hope he's in the great big airplane in the sky with dick briggs just doing mountains of coke you you know what i mean
0: oh man i just uh uh, yeah so
1: yeah so tom uh tom like i said after spending all that money in the investigation, he's convinced it was Rackstraw. He can't prove it, and nobody will hear him. Nobody will listen to him. So he's now moved on to uh, discovering who the Zodiac killer was and also who killed Jimmy Hoffa and where he's buried, both both of which he claims he is on the brink of answering, by the way. And uh, yeah, so that's, and like I said, There's no they don't give a definitive answer, so you're not going to figure out who D.B. Cooper was in this docuseries.
0: Um, You're probably never going to find out who the Zodiac killer was either.
1: Spoiler alert. <laughs> so Matt, so you don't think that DB Cooper will ever be found? No, it's been 50 years. I mean, if
0: the if the dude, like I said, to me, there are so many other like horrific things that have gone on in the last 50 years that you could be investigating. Why Why are we going to possibly harass some retiree who, one time got got a little excited and jumped out of a fucking airplane at two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Leave him alone. Retire. Leave him alone. God, let it, it's 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 a million dollars in today's money, which sounds like a lot, and I wouldn't kick a million dollars out of my bed for eating crackers. But I mean, let's be honest here: a million dollars in the grand scheme of things is not that much money. I mean, you can't you can't retire off a million dollars nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean that's yeah it's it sadly is not that much and it certainly isn't enough to devolve uh, or to vote to devote 50 years worth of government resources and to figure out who it was (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like they've spent way more than a million dollars trying to figure out who he was that's for damn sure yeah congratulations db you made it so do you have after watching this docuseries and you know just the cursory knowledge you had of the case before do you have a favorite theory do you think you know what might have happened to db cooper
0: Oh man. You know, I, I like to think that he jumped off the plane and I think he definitely had a team waiting for him. Cause that's the only thing that makes sense, you know, because what is he going to do? Just drop into the wilderness and hope for the best while he's carrying 40 pounds of (laughs) twenties, you know, just running into the fucking woods. Like, Oh, I hope, hope I survive this. Maybe we can build a tent out of these twenties. Uh, so i think i think he got picked up and i hope that he somehow swindled his partners out of the money and he's just living the high life right now he's some, he invested it well he doesn't work uh he's just chasing little ladies around a pool at a retirement community that's <laughs> that's what i hope
1: Fuck it could have been that dude from uh that one documentary about their retirement home in florida he could have been DB oh, Cooper, yeah. bro. We know. Yeah, the I, in I hope he's.
0: Yeah, I hope he's DB Cooper, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> running around chasing old broads all day. That's that's what I hope for. Yeah, I mean, like I said, who gives a shit? I mean, it's it's one of those things like who killed Jimmy Hoffa? Why does it matter? He's dead now.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: not Jimmy Hoffa, the guy that killed him. It's it's been that. How long? Who gives a
1: shit now? You know, well, like. I well, I, I will say, so, like, one of my things was, I was thinking about I was like, by now, like, the statute of limitations has to have run out. Like, they're just yeah, so long so. ago. I looked it up, it hasn't. Um, The reason being is because a grand jury, a smart prosecutor uh, in Oregon, I believe, brought it before a grand jury, and it was able to obtain an indictment for an unidentified D.B. Cooper. So the entity of D.B. Cooper, the alias has an open indictment against them. Therefore, there is no statute of limitations on this crime. So, if they do figure out who he was, they can't arrest his ass if he's alive, which, which is, is why, which is wild. But
0: yeah, like uh, it's like I said, like what are you gonna? Do? You're gonna throw him in jail? You're gonna throw a a fucking eighty or ninety year old man in prison because he did something fifty years ago? Leave him alone. He won. Did something really yeah.
1: cool 50 years ago? Like, come on, man. Yeah,
0: did something badass. Like, let's let's be honest. If if you mm-hmm. throw him in jail, you're just mad that he's tougher than you are. Because <laughs> listen, anybody that the whole thing, and that's another thing. I honestly I was just like that whole thing, that whole crime from start to finish was so cool uh-huh. that I don't I'm not even mad. If I ran the company, I'd be like, hey, he fucking earned it, man. <laughs> if he jumped out with it, like, let's go look just to make sure he didn't, you know, wind up splashing all over the side of the mountain, see if we can pick up some cash. But, uh, you know, if he made it, let's, let's, you know, let's not devote too much resources towards finding him. He's gone.
1: Yeah. I, so my personal, my theory, I don't have like a, an educated one. If he did survive, there's no way he made it out of that forest without a team. Like he had to have somebody there to scoop yeah. him up. You know, they, They don't know exactly where he landed. They're not positive where the landing site would have even possibly been just because they don't know exactly when he jumped out because of how he did it. So there's no way of like really pinpointing that. I think that the most likely scenario is that he is dead. I don't think he would have survived that. You know, like the documentary points out, he jumped in the middle of the night during a thunderstorm in a suit with no other apparent, you know, climate protection or materials or gear, I believe they said the air temperature was like 15 degrees or something when he jumped out, and he was the plane was going 250 miles per hour. And they said it's under ideal conditions; it is it is a survivable jump. In fact, after DB Cooper did this, the year following, there were like a bunch of copycat people who did kind of a similar thing. And they were able to you know hijack the plane get the money jump out of the plane but they were all captured once they hit the ground um, yeah, so fuck it was, those guys so it was doable but in those conditions I don't think it was doable I, he's probably dead the only thing that um, I think is very suspicious that makes me think that he might have lived is the money thing being found you know they found yeah. they, they found fifty eight hundred dollars out of the two hundred thousand. I've looked into it further after watching the docu series and it was three stacks of money. One stack was missing 200 dollars. They were rubber banded together. They were the money was worn down and it was buried in the sand. But like they said, like basically there's no way to tell because it was it was a couple of years later. So there's no way to really tell like where the money you know where it came from and how how far it drifted and whatever. But the point they said is like listen after they found that money, they excavated like the entire riverbank. And they didn't find anything else. They didn't find the parachute. They didn't find clothes. They didn't find any of the other money. Why would those three stacks end up there, and none of the other money that would have been presumably in the same bag, unless the bag ripped in the air or for some reason or whatever? So, I guess it's possible he threw that in there as a way of like, you know, hey guys, I died in the I died in the lake. I died in the river. You know, uh, don't come looking for yeah. me. I mean. I guess I would have threw the parachute in the river, I guess. But then I guess that if you're not connected, if your body's not connected to the parachute, they're gonna know you at least got out of the parachute. I don't know. It's it's. Um, I think he's probably dead. I think he probably died. <laughs> That's what I think probably. Happened. I I like to think that he made it. I would like, like, like I said, to. I, I th- hope. It, I I you know I, I'll say this. I hope he made it. I really hope yeah. he did. I hope he.
0: made I, it. Like I said, I I hope he's chasing retirees around the around the pool right now. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Like I'm DB Cooper, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know who I am? I jumped out of a goddamn airplane with forty dollars, forty pounds worth of twenty strapped to my ass. Yeah, you know? I got a bomb in these pants. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go off fifty years ago, but it can
1: go off now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um Yeah. So so overall, what did you think of this documentary though? This docu series. Uh.
0: I wasn't like I you know I I said it earlier that that uh, I was really hoping that our last or our 50 our, our last episode of the summer was going to be a real banger mm-hmm. and this was not I mean <laughs> it was okay but like I said for me what kept coming up in my brain was like who fucking cares he's dead like if he didn't die when he crashed into the, or when he landed I mean, it was 50 years ago. The guy is, he's either a retiree or he's dead. Why are we harassing or like, why are we even concerning ourselves with that? they like, it's not even an important thing anymore. You know, like, I think, I think, listen, if you escape and for, for 40 years nobody hears anything about it, let you, you fucking want, leave him alone. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I, I'm not, if he murdered six people getting the money, I'd say, yeah, we should still be hunting him, but he didn't hurt anybody. He, it, you know, he just got his money and fucking left the plane like a superhero. All right. Just if anything, if they found him, they, they should have been like, Hey, how do you feel about working for the CIA? (laughs) Or, (laughs) I mean, that is cause that was fucking awesome. Uh, I just, I just don't see. To me, it was like I said, I just kept being like, "Why? Who cares? Who cares that if he's still like, who cares?"
1: <laughs> it's just... I just, I, mean, I, I guess I get why people would care, not because they want justice or whatever, just because it is a, gr- it is a great American mystery. It is the only unsolved aerial hijacking, so it's like it is, it is a great mystery. People love solving solving riddles so i get i get the interest i don't think it's important to solve it but i think it is cool to solve it the documentary itself it was okay i'll say it was okay this the story like the the what it's about is awesome obviously right db cooper's it's a cool story the one thing though this documentary doesn't really talk about it does talk about the story but the focus of this documentary is on these people and their investigation of the story and trying to figure out who D.B. Cooper is. And it gets it gets stuck in like I think it gets stuck in the mud with some of these people like this Tom Colbert guy. He's not a likable guy. You can tell he's like this money hungry TV guy who's just trying to flip a buck. You know, I mean, that's this yeah. whole interest in it. You could tell is just trying to sell a documentary or sell a movie or sell a book. he just he just wants to make money on the story and that's why he's doing the zodiac and jimmy hoffman now he doesn't he's just trying to make money you know and the 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 theories border on insanity for some of these people so it's 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 you know the document i think it's probably it probably deserves what it's getting right now on imdb to be honest 5.4 out of 10. i think that's probably what it deserves the timeline of this documentary is all over the place. They bounce from like 2011, 2016, 1978. I mean, they are all over the place. It is it's hard to follow as far as the timeline of everything goes. But, and then the editing, I mean, there's some, there's some parts that I thought were like, okay, all right. So there's some shots of Tom, you know, some, how many shots of Tom working on a goddamn computer in a Starbucks you have to see in a, a four episode thing. So yeah, it, we, get, we get it. Yeah, we get it. The guy fucking types. So, um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we got it. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, as far as the beer scale goes, to watch this one again. It's I,
0: still long. It'd have to be six beers for me. I'll do, f-
1: yeah, I'll do five beers. I was going to try to think of a funny way of saying that, like a DB Cooper way, but I can't do it right now. So, just five beers. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, I said, I want five beers and a duffel bag. I want four parachutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that was uh, you know what part we didn't mention that I was I thought was hilarious was that they said oh he asked for four parachutes to make him think that he was jumping with the air crew so that we didn't give him a, a like a dud parachute
1: uh-huh. and I
0: was like was that a, was that an option like this guy's trying to steal money so you're gonna give him a parachute full of bricks and wait for him to jump out the back of the plane. Was that was that was that on the table well, at
1: some point? Well, so for, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that actually. So in my like, I think we talked about this earlier off off mic. But in my in my looking this story up after watching the docuseries. series, so yeah, he did ask for four parachutes, and they gave the illusion that he was potentially going to take hostages. So like you said, they couldn't it's just prevent them from giving him a dud parachute. Okay, so what they gave him, they gave him two primary shoots and two backup shoots. And he, the ones he chose, he chose the the primary shoot that was the older and was objectively like a less technically – like he, he picked the inferior shoot, primary shoot, essentially. And the backup shoot he picked of the two he had to choose from was a training shoot that was sewn shut and was inoperable. So, again, either this guy is not a trained sky jumper or he is extremely ballsy and wanted to make it look like he was an inexperienced sky jump skydiver, because to willfully and knowingly pick the shoot that, you know, is not going to open is wild to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. This guy, I, you have to, you have to imagine that he's just at least a little bit crazy.
1: So, yeah, I don't know. So again, I think I would need, I would need five beers to watch this series. Again, I would need an entire bottle of Jack to jump out the back of a plane. I'll sit, yeah, I'll, I'll say
0: Yeah, it's it'd be a lot. It'd be a lot. I I, I would be unconscious. That's how much it'd be. <laughs> I uh, just the idea of looking down and seeing all that and then jumping out of the plane. Nah, nah. I I would just I would just go to jail. That's fine. <laughs> you know, jail jail's better than splashing t- into the ground at 200 miles per hour or yeah. at escape velocity.
1: Yeah. 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 Whatever terminal velocity is for the human body falling out of a plane. Um, Yeah. I I
0: don't, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to know the numbers
1: that much. So, (laughs) yeah. So like I said, that is DB Cooper. Where are you? Check it out on Netflix. Uh, We would appreciate it if you guys would subscribe, rate and review wherever you guys get your podcasts, Uh, leave comments, uh, especially like on Apple helps a lot with the algorithms. If you have any questions, comments, complaints, hit us up on the socials, socials, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter is Afro pod Email address is podcast at gmail.com. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode and we mentioned last week, we're going to be taking a few weeks off here for the summer. We will be back in the fall, probably mid to end of September, I've had to guess. And we'll, uh, we'll have another treat for you guys this year. And uh, we'll wrap up 2022.
0: Yeah. And uh, even though I will not be on this podcast – uh, chances are at some point I'll be on Talking Smack with our uh, on our constant guest, which is Josh Gar. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: so you might catch me on there. Uh, uh, we'll catch you guys in a couple of months after we uh, unwind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So as always, I'm Special K.
0: And I'm Matt. We'll see you guys next time.
1: Later!